fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. A pre-Friday celebration, man. Greatest day of the entire week. I know I say it every day, but Thursdays are especially awesome. And that's the way we're going to kick off the morning and the afternoon. I guess it's the afternoon now. Oh, how the day's flown on by. Welcome into it. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it's so wonderful to have you along for the ride today. Coming up, bottom of the hour, we have Mark Marie. He is a fellow of regulatory policy with Americans for Prosperity, our great partners here on the show. Looking forward to chatting with him about Bidenomics. We saw the latest report yesterday about inflation creeping back up again, sitting at 3.5%. I believe uh, the December inflation consumer index report came in at right around 5% for the month of December. So that's nice. At least things are totally affordable or not. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, going into the cold front with the winter season officially upon us. What do energy prices look like on a national scale? So we'll have all that to get to and so much more. Show of hands, last night, anybody watched the presidential debate in Iowa between the two candidates, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley? Yeah, they didn't even include Vivek Ramaswamy. And uh, now we have Chris Christie that has officially left the presidential race, announcing that he is shutting it down, my friends, not gaining any traction, not going anywhere, as he is officially done with his presidential candidacy. And I have to give the proper salute here on the program. And good riddance to Chris Christie. Not, never been a big fan of his, and he's officially done. He should have done it a long time ago. Now, the hopes is just days, and literally days. We are, what, Thursday now, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We are four days away from the Iowa caucus that's on Monday next week. And the hope is, with Chris Christie officially announcing, although it's kind of a weird time because it does have a lingering effect of time for people to realize that he's not actually in the race. So he still may get some votes in the state of Iowa, but the hope is to try and consolidate behind Nikki Haley. I don't know how much that is going to work. Maybe he'll get a little bit, but at the same time, how much, how many numbers did Chris Christie really have at the end of the day? So is it going to help Nikki Haley? Maybe a little bit, but it's not going to get her the 30, 40 points needed to climb back up and creep up and compete against Donald Trump. So at some point, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, meaning Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, and I say that with all the endearment in the world because I'm really not making fun of them. I am, however, questioning the fact that at what point do you realize that when you're on a debate stage, a CNN debate stage nonetheless, I mean, that was hosted by CNN last night, so you can imagine how awesome, I didn't even watch it, I I have to admit, I didn't even watch the debate. You can see how awesome that the ratings were with that, one of the lowest rated cable networks in the entire country, meaning one of the lowest rated presidential debates that we've seen because they were already at a trajectory downward with their ratings and the number of people watching these things. Then you put it on CNN when no one pays attention to it in the first place. Then you take away the most exciting candidate of the entire race that's not Donald Trump. That would be Vivek Ramaswamy. And don't even allow him to go onto the debate stage. What's the point of even doing it? And, of course, they're sitting there and I'm not really going out. They tried to play nice together. I'm not going after you. I'm going after Donald Trump. And why isn't Donald Trump here? It's the same rhetoric. The same stuff over and over for the fifth presidential debate with only two candidates on the stage. And again, I didn't watch it. I didn't pay attention to it. I saw some headlines today. And of course, the ratings looked pretty terrible. So I don't know what that gets you. 
to continue to say, why is Donald Trump not on the stage? And this is coming from the guy who said at the very beginning, I think that Donald Trump needed to be on the debate stage early on. I wanted to see him there. I wanted to see him call out the other candidates. I wanted to see what his ideas are, other than saying I'm going to continue to do what I did before. That's awesome. But I want to see more Donald Trump outside of just a rally where he can just kind of you know let loose and just do what he wants to and just kind of riff off the cuff. I want to see him in a debate uh, setting. I already know what he stands for. I already know what he wants to do. I want to see him on that debate stage because that boosts the ratings. That brings the Republican Party together. I wanted that from the very beginning, and he hasn't done it. And he played his cards right because it's worked out pretty fairly for him, I think, because he's still in the polls, up 30, 40 points in Iowa. He's up near 15 points in New Hampshire. And I think from there on, it's just going to be trajectory onto the winning to get that nomination here relatively soon. So, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, at what point do you feel childish being on a debate stage from a low-ranked cable network to try and talk about how you need to be the candidate for the Republican Party when Republicans aren't watching CNN and the main Republican candidate's not even there? Nothing against them. If they're the candidates at the end of the day and they get the nomination, I will vote for either one of them without question. But you have to start thinking that maybe trying to do the same thing that's done every single year, just going down and just doing the cookie cutter, I do this debate, I do this debate, I say these talking points. At some point, you have to do something just a little bit different. That being said, Donald Trump at the other time probably got way better ratings by going over to Fox News and doing a town hall. What's trending today? Now, I say that with a grain of salt as well because Fox News has been on the trajectory moving slowly to the left, and it seemed like the moderators kind of did the same thing last night as well, going after Donald Trump, and he called them out for it a few times during his town hall discussion with Fox News last night as well. One of them, pretty evident, the whole question about whether you're going to be a dictator or whether you're going to advocate for political violence at all, I haven't had to play this clip for a while, but maybe we need to start bringing this back. What Donald Trump really meant to say. Yeah, so what did he say during the debate or the town hall last night with Fox News? After they asked him, they played a clip from Joe Biden saying that Donald Trump was all about political violence. And they asked him, would you encourage political violence if you become president again? Again, a stupid question from moderators from Fox News, where that should have been, we already know that's a really dumb statement for Joe Biden to make, but would you like to respond to that? If I run Fox News, that would have been my question. We already know that's really stupid. We know that's a ridiculous, absurd comment, but would you like to respond? They didn't do that, though. Can you say tonight that political violence is never acceptable? Well, of course that's right. And Okay, stop right there again. You... Are we on Fox News? Are we on the Are we on the right cable network right now? Because I don't think that asking that question would be a legitimate question to ask from a supposed conservative-leaning news site. Can you say tonight that political violence is never acceptable? Ugh. Well, of course that's right. And, of course, I'm the one that had very little of it. Take a look at wars. Again, I didn't start. I wasn't involved in wars. We beat the hell out of ISIS. We won 100%. We brought our troops back home. Look at look at the violence that we've had. Look at the violence we have recently. Right, with, but when you say bedlam, what do you mean? When I think you say, yeah, bedlam. I think you look at Joe Biden. It's bedlam. You have a man who can't lead. You have a man who can't find his way off a stage after he makes a speech that lasts for about two minutes. Now, I think bedlam is Joe Biden. I think that he's using this. This is just a political ploy. Trump is a dictator. He wants to be a dictator. You know, it's interesting. I did a show, Sean Hannity. Did you ever hear of him? He's a very nice man. And he said, essentially, 
you're not going to be a dictator, are you? Tell me. I think he was trying to give me a nicer question that maybe you guys would. He meant it very well. I said, I'm going to be a dictator for one day. We're going to do two things. The border, we're going to make it so tight you can't get in unless you come in legally. And the other is energy. We're going to drill, baby, drill. After that, I'm not going to be a dictator. After that, I'm not going to be a dictator. So. Okay, we'll play the rest of that in just a minute here. I, again, we have to bring back the the segment on this program that we haven't had to do in a while. What Donald Trump really meant to say. He, and he didn't say it bad, but he could have said it a lot better and articulate things a lot better. But that's Donald Trump just being Donald Trump. If, again, being in that situation and saying, hey, uh, do you advocate for political violence? The best, in my humble opinion, the best answer he could have given at that time was to go after Joe Biden hard and say, are you really asking me that question, conservative or supposed conservative news anchor from Fox News? Because that's kind of a ridiculous question to ask. Let's look at Antifa from the left side of the aisle. Let's look at Black Lives Matter from the left side of the aisle. Let's look at those that said anyone with red hats need to be assaulted in public and were justified, quote unquote, in assaulting people with red hats that say MAGA on them in the general public. Let's go after the ones that say that we need to run out of elected officials out of public venues like restaurants if they're conservative or Republican or support uh, Donald Trump in any way, shape or form. Maybe we should look at the ones that say that Donald Trump needed to have his White House blown up, a.k.a. Madonna. Maybe we should look at the side that posted a picture of Donald Trump as a decapitated head like Kathy Griffin had there. Maybe we should look at those like Joe Biden, who have openly said that Donald Trump and every Republican that is a MAGA member and every person who is part of the conservative movement is a domestic terrorist and a threat to society, legitimizing, essentially, and allowing and justifying the violence against the right side of the aisle politically in this nation because they say that we are the threat to democracy, that we are the dictators, that Donald Trump is the tyrant and the dictator. They're the ones that have spread absolute hatred, fear, and violence in this nation year after year, decade after decade. And you're worried about me becoming a dictator? Are you kidding? Why don't we just look at the last four years of my record and see what I actually did as a president where I limited government not grown the size of government. There's a big difference there, right? Like, you would think that would be a normal response. Donald Trump obviously had to do it in his Donald Trump fashion, but the fact that we even have to do this is ridiculous as a Republican Party. The fact that we even have to go down this road ourselves is ridiculous as a Republican Party. But he continues. So you weren't saying no, no, and the press picks it up. So I said, I'm going to be a dictator for one day. They cut it. They go, I'm going to be a dictator. But they cut the rest of the sentence. No, no, I am not going to be a dictator. I'm going to manage like we did. We were so successful that the country was coming together. It was actually coming together and coming together well. It was a beautiful thing to see. And we're going to do that again. We're going to do that again. I mean, that's Donald Trump being Donald Trump. And I think he handled it well. I'm not criticizing for how he handled it. But, man, there's a missed opportunity of so many things the left side of the aisle has done and to call the media out for their ridiculousness in this situation. You want to know what a dictator looks like? Just to give you kind of an example here, just to kind of put things into perspective for a moment for the other side that may not understand how things actually work. Here's what a dictator would do. They would consume the entire economy by raising inflation, by printing money, by investing, and I say investing with air quotes for our radio listeners, investing in the private sector through subsidized money from the federal government, because that's not the role of the federal government, but that's what a dictator would do to crash the economy. What they would do is they would consume a massive amount of the industries 
to have the government centralize that power and regulate it through the federal government. Like, I don't know, health care. There's a bill that's floating around right now in Washington, D.C., known as the PBM bill, the Pharmacy Benefit Managers Bill. Have you heard this one? Bernie Sanders pushing this one with an attempt to, again, socialize health care and centralize government power in the healthcare industry, essentially getting further into bed with big pharma, more so than what big pharma is already in bed with government already. I don't know how they can do that even more, but apparently they can and that that's what they're working on. There are a group of conservatives trying to fight this one, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, that uh, has come out pretty strong against us when saying, quote, we've paid big pharma enough money for COVID-19 vaccines. Republicans should be focused on cutting spending, especially with their Department of Justice's weaponization against President Trump, the launching an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden's corruption. We don't have time to push big pharma and Dr. Fauci's priorities. This bill, according to Bernie Sanders, would lower the price of pharmaceutical uh, objects, the pills, the pharmaceutical things, the products that they have. But what it essentially does is, and it says it in the bill, is that the federal government would subsidize and pay the missing link to Big Pharma in order for them to cut the cost. So they're not really cutting the cost. They're just lowering the price for you while the difference is made up by a subsidy that's paid for by the federal government, which a.k.a. is paid for by your taxpayer money. So Big Pharma is still getting the amount of money that they want to get, dominating essentially the entire conversation while we just pay less out of pocket and then we pay the federal government through our taxpayer money for the federal government to pay big pharma the difference and what they're trying to lower the cost on i don't know how that actually solves the problem but it does create more of that fusion between big pharma and big government is the voice of reason with andy hoosier this is amy working mom feeling the pressure of rising costs feels like every day is getting more expensive. We get it. The cost of living today is way too high. That's where we come in. At Americans for Prosperity, we offer solutions to the country's biggest problems. Like making life more affordable? Yep. That's why AFP launched Prosperity is Possible, the nation's largest movement to tackle the cost of living crisis. Americans for Prosperity is helping ease the pain at checkout and the pump and connecting people to common sense solutions. From reducing wasteful spending and making energy more affordable to improving workplace flexibility. Bottom line, getting government working for us again with solutions we can all agree on. Like empowering families like mine to realize the American dream. Exactly. Americans for Prosperity, where freedom and opportunity win. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You want some more reason throughout the day? Well, now it's easier than ever to find. Here's what you do. Check out the website at HoosierReason.com. There you can find past shows, links to all of our social media, special features, our monthly blogs, and a heck of a lot more. Plus, make sure to check in frequently as we're constantly working to add more goodies that you'll really enjoy. Also, you can always subscribe and follow our social media sites for bonus content, articles that we use on the show, or maybe some additional rants. Yeah, it's all that and so much more. Check it all out at HoosierReason.com. 
fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Freedom, reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we do here on the program. So we maybe need a refresher on what dictatorships are. You know how every election there's always like a general theme on what the attacks are to each other. Like the one during 20, what was it, 2016 for the first round of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. It was who could wake up at 3 a.m. and take that 3 a.m. phone call to handle the issues, which obviously Donald Trump being a type A personality and not sleeping a whole lot at all, where the media attacked him while he was president for aimlessly wandering around the White House in the middle of the night. It's because he's a type A personality. He's a business guy and he works constantly and doesn't rest. And that's, you would think, would be a good thing that we want for the leader of the free world to constantly be on alert and to constantly be running around all the time as opposed to, I don't know, maybe a guy who's just too tired to be able to handle the issues that go on constantly and be the most powerful person on the face of the earth, essentially, leading the free world and wanting to sleep and go on vacation half the time. I mean, half one six thousand the other, right? But that was the issue. Who would wake up at 3 a.m. to take that 3 a.m. phone call? This one is who's going to be a dictator. Now, anyone with half a brain and even just a little bit of common sense, I know that that's a minority in society today is common sense, rationale, and reason. I know that people don't focus on that a whole lot anymore, but you would think that when the topic of a dictatorship comes up and the term of Nazism, fascism, Hitlerism, all this other garbage that gets thrown out there just like waterworks, we don't even try and use the value of the words anymore. We just throw things out there nonchalantly and, oh, they're a racist, they're a Nazi, they're a fascist. We just throw words out there and expect them to stick when we've watered down the reason and the purpose of these words that are very strong and very powerful and very meaningful in very negative ways. When we just throw the terms out there that we are a quote-unquote dictator and Donald Trump's going to be a dictator, whether you like Donald Trump or not, we have to look at the policy and be like, wow, that accusation of being a quote-unquote dictator is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And again, for the media, for the media, for Fox News to do a town hall with them and be like, are you going to use political violence? Really? That's the questions that they ask. And that's going to be the theme of this year. If we go into a general election, not saying it's going to be, but if we go into a general election with a Donald Trump, Joe Biden re uh, squaring up against each other in the in the boxing ring again, then that's going to be the theme here is that Joe Biden made it very clear in day one on Valley Forge when he started off 2024 on the campaign trail and said that this election is about the securing of democracy and it's going to be either Donald Trump, the Nazi fascist racist, or it's going to be me preserving democracy. And if that's the tone that we've said already in 2024, what's the rest of the year going to look like? doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And again, if you want to look at big government, if you want to look at dictatorships, if you want to look at quote-unquote fascism, socialism, communism, fill in the blank on what flavor of big government that you want, then you can look at these bills that the Democrats are trying to pass right now, including this big pharma bill of saying, oh, we're going to lower costs of pharmaceuticals in the nation for consumers. But you're not. You're maybe lowering it for the consumer to pay up front over the table, but then guess what? You get the nice, fat, subsidized check from the federal government to compensate for the rest of it. You're not lowering the price. You're just having someone else pay for it, which is by default the general pool of funds from the taxpayers. So you, yourself, and I are still paying for it through our taxpayer money, through the government, and into big pharma. If you want to lower pharmaceutical prices, we have to do what we did before, which was actually cap the price legitimately, cause some more competition within the market from the big pharma, I guess, 
if you want more pharmaceutical companies, uh, be able to lower the price that way through competition and get the government away from big pharma so that way they have to do all their marketing on their own, which to a degree... That's right. Donald Trump did that. I mean, he did to a degree. He started to lower insurance prices and pharmaceutical prices, and then Joe Biden, what did he do on day number one? Came in and signed an executive order, erasing and reversing every single one of those policies. And now all of a sudden we're back into high pharmaceutical prices with them continuously climbing, and then they want to do it their own way by centralizing more power with government and pharmaceuticals. I'm sorry. I thought that was a major failure during COVID-19, and we just paid a buttload of money to these companies for the vaccines. I'm sorry. I thought that was a bad thing. Mark Marie, Americans for Prosperity, joining us right around the corner here for The Voice of Reason on a pre-Friday celebration. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. I swear I am the clumsiest guy in the entire world. If you're watching the video feed, which we stream all over OpsLens.com, all over their social media sites, on our social media sites, which you can find at HoosierReason.com, I, I actually have my dress shirt, more of a dress shirt on today than what I normally do. And twice now, twice, I have my cup of water here trying to drink during the break, and I spill water on it. Now it's water. It'll dry in a moment, but... The reason is because here locally with the cluster of stations, my flagship radio station where I broadcast out of here in Wichita, Kansas, the Big uh, big Talker, KQAM, uh, where I'm at for the weekday program here, uh, we're getting pictures done for headshots for our new station websites and everything. So I got to look all pretty and get a picture done today. But I twice now, spill water on my shirt. Drive me nuts, man. Tell you what, welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Hey, want to tell you about my friends over at Americans for Prosperity. As you know, prosperity is possible. It's been done. It's been proven on what actually makes it work. And we're going into an election season. Who are you going to vote for to make sure that that prosperity continues to thrive? That the American dream stays alive? Because while it may be hindered right now, it is not dead. We have inflation up near between 18 to 20 percent over the past three years under Biden, and it continues to get worse. We need to stop the shenanigans. We need to allow the economy to burst wide open again with the big, beautiful doors and allow the big, beautiful people to come in through the big, beautiful doors, uh, in the words of Donald Trump. Prosperityispossible.com. Go and check them out. Sign up. It's very easy to be part of it. Americans for Prosperity, the largest grassroots organization in the entire country with chapters in every single state. You can be part of that movement. And we want you to be part of that movement. Prosperityispossible.com. Prosperityispossible.com. Go and check them out. Great partners with us here on The Voice of Reason. And speaking of, in our latest in What's Trending. What's Trending Today. To talk about some of that and more, really happy to have on the program. He is a fellow of Regulatory Policy for Americans for Prosperity. Excited to have on here Mr. Mark Marie. Mark, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Happy to be on, Andy. Yeah, excited to have you on here. Happy New Year to you. There is a lot to break down because 2024 has kicked off with a bang, not only on the campaign trail, but also in government, the bills they're working on, the budget they're trying to debate right now. Uh, It's hard to stay up with all this stuff right now, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot going on. Congress tends to kind of govern by emergency. Uh, And so you have these periods, you know, whether it's once or twice a year, where they suddenly realize, oh, we need to get everything done now where the government's <laughs> going to shut down or something else will happen. 
And, you know, usually it all comes together, but it's, it, it's no way to run a country or to pass laws. No, not at all. Uh, let's talk about Biden for just a moment. They've run the last year, year and a half on this whole concept of Bidenomics, creating 13, 14 million jobs, bringing down inflation to the lowest that it's been during his administration. But we're still up near 20 percent for the past three years combined right now, which is a bit astronomical. But they, of course, try to blame Donald Trump on that one, that now they're trying to bring Bidenomics back on the campaign trail about how great the economy is. We saw the report that came out yesterday that the latest consumer inflation or the consumer index report was sitting right around 34 3.5%. Uh, December had roughly 5% increase in consumer goods. The economy has not recovered yet, and it continues to get worse with how pricey some consumer products are, aren't they? That's absolutely right. And yeah, everyone who goes to the grocery store sees this, you know, shopping for Christmas presents, Thanksgiving dinner. And so I think there are no good options if, if you're running the Biden campaign, but they certainly seem out of touch, you know, to come out and suddenly say, you're doing great. The economy is doing great. You know, you should be thanking me for your situation when, you know, people are asked in polls as you know, Gallup does every few years, most people say they are worse off than they were four years ago. Yeah. Yeah, they tried to kill it off for a while and say, well, you know, we're just going to kind of shift gears here and kind of change policy tactics. But they've brought it back again when inflation's down. And I guess the latest shows that there's not as many angry people out there because gas prices have come down just a little bit and are somewhat reasonable, not because of the Biden administration, but just naturally with oil companies doing what they do. But is this going to be a successful run for them trying to say that what they've done for the economy right now is working and that, yeah, while prices on the on the store shelves may be higher, you're actually loony if you think that that's actually part of Biden's plan or if you're paying more. It's really not the case. These aren't the droids you're looking for and the economy's doing great. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, how do, how can you run a campaign like that? You know, I think they don't really have a plan at this point. They they have to kind of do it ad hoc. Uh, you know, I think you know in in you know one of the reasons why oil and gasoline has come down is because the economy is actually slowed. Mm-hmm. And you know, when the U.S. economy slows, that has an effect on economies around the world. And when economies around the world kind of led by the U.S. are, you know, consuming less and, uh, you know, companies start putting in fewer orders and, you know, there's less demand for for gasoline and, and that brings down the price. So it's really, a, it's, you know, paradoxically a bad sign for the economy that oil prices and gasoline prices are where they are. No one likes them at these sky high, you know, record levels that they were two summers ago. But it's got, you know, the pendulum has swung to the point where this isn't a natural rebalancing of the market. Yes, the oil companies are very responsive in ramping up their production. They're very good at what they do in responding to, to price signals. But the pendulum has swung so far that it was really a sign of is a softening economy, and that's affecting economies in other parts of the world. And, you know, that, that a soft economy is not something that any president wants to run on. Yeah, that is very true. You mentioned some of the production from the oil companies. I had seen something about a week or so ago that showed that oil production right now 
is up almost to about the levels that what it was towards the end of the Trump administration when Trump had uh, released a whole bunch of different permits on places to be able to drill that are finally starting to come to fruition for these oil companies. So while OPEC is decreasing their international production and the selling, and we have the Biden administration out there begging for them to sell us more over here, we're drilling more in the nation. Is that offsetting some of the costs right now? Because some experts say that this could, this should be right now up to like $120 a barrel for oil. That's certainly helping things. I mean, there's one thing about um, you know the U.S. oil and gas industry. It is it is you know relentless. It's resilient. You know, in the face of the regulatory onslaught, um, you know, from from the Biden administration and you know before that from from the Obama administration. Um, and they can adjust, and that's why we see production from U.S. producers as high as it is. And you mentioned OPEC. Um, you know, things are good right now for domestic production, but I think that maybe has some wheels spinning over uh, in Vienna, where, where OPEC, you know, has its headquarters. If you recall back in 2013, which was kind of the last high water mark of the U.S. shale revolution, OPEC made a drastic move to basically start a price war. You know, they they slashed their they slashed their um, or they, they raised their production significantly, flooded the market in order to tank the price of oil and, you know, below that which American shale producers, producers needed to stay in business. And it was basically a, 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 a price war to regain market share from American producers, and it worked. And what I'm worried about is that Having seen, if you're OPEC, having having seen how resilient American producers are, um, and seeing that you are losing market share again, that they may run the same playbook, and just as Obama wasn't very helpful uh, to the domestic oil and gas industry in the last price war, you know, I think Biden is going to be even less helpful, uh, and. You know, in many ways, OPEC may try to deliver a death blow to domestic oil and gas production that was actually, you know, said out loud as part of the Biden campaign. Um, I don't think it's going to work because we have a resilient industry. But, you know, I would I, I would be worried things are looking so good for the domestic industry. You know, OPEC has to be thinking about starting another price war. And, you know, I can only hope that this time. The you know American president is 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 on the side of domestic producers. Yeah, we could only hope so. That would be nice, but I I don't hold my breath on the current administration on that one right now. I mean, we had those that went out to the uh, to the. Uh, what was the United Nations Environmental Conference just a month or so ago with John Kerry out there advocating for the closing of coal plants nationwide for a permanent status? So that's kind of the level that we're at right now. I think with energy, they're desperate to try and end this. Uh, industry as a whole because they're desperate to go to the new energy, the alternative energies, and be dependent on something like OPEC and some of these other types of uh, sources for energy. They don't care about the oil companies, do they? They don't care about the oil companies. They don't care, you know, about the people that they employ in the United States. Uh, you know, they don't give, you know, the, the American uh, oil and gas companies credit for being among the most um, you know, innovative companies in any sector. 
yeah. in the world. Um, you know, it, it, and it shows. And who this is really about cronyism, right? They, you know, they talk a very, you know, to them inspiring game about saving the world <laughs> from, you know, global warming. But at the end of the day, if you look at the policies, they don't, even if they were fully implemented, they wouldn't tackle the problem as well as a really innovative oil and gas industry could. Yeah. So well, you have to ask yourself, if, if the policies don't even work for their stated purpose, what is it about? What's it's it about? about cronyism. It is, yeah. Well, all you got to do is just get Greta Thunberg out there and do a little crying, and all of a sudden we'll uh, we'll change our policies and drastically change the entire industry as a whole. We're talking with Mark Marie with uh, Americans for Prosperity. Lots more coming up here. One more segment. Stay here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Always wonderful to have you with us here for a pre-Friday celebration. Let's just carpe diem all over this place, baby. It's what it's all about. We're hanging out with Mark Murray. He is the fellow of regulatory policy at Americans for Prosperity. Americansforprosperity.com. Or you can check out prosperityispossible.com. Sign up, become a member, and you can get all the great information to lead you into a successful year to help fight for that American dream all over again. We've been talking a lot about oil, energy. I want to kind of stay on that topic for the last few minutes of the program here, Mark, but I want to shift it a little bit. We're about ready to get into their Arctic front here across many parts of the country. I'm in Kansas where my flagship station is, and a couple of years ago we saw temperatures drop down to like negative 20 degrees. Our natural gas bills went from $3 a cubic foot to $600 a cubic foot, and what normally is a, I don't know, $100 uh, utility bill every month for my house turned into a $2,500 utility bill with natural gas for the month because of that extreme cold front and energy companies not prepared for such a thing. We're supposed to get another deep freeze or a cold like that again here in the next week across many portions of the central section of the country. Uh, when it comes to not just oil, but natural gas and the energy industry as a whole, with prices and regulations from the Biden administration, where are we and could we see more shenanigans with energy prices going up for those trying to survive the cold winter? Oh, you absolutely absolutely could. And if it happens, you know, the first one to blame the natural gas industry will be the people in government that really created the problem. Um, You know, if you just look at pipeline networks, you know, Natural gas, you got to move it through a pipeline and you got to take it to a power plant, right? If you're going to get your electricity. And it's very hard to build a natural gas pipeline in this country because of permitting restrictions, both from the federal government and permitting barriers that kind of more progressive states throw up because, you know, they just, they just want to stand in the way of progress. Yeah. You know, they figure if we can stop the pipelines from being built, then at some point people will just figure, well, there's no point in drilling. <laughs> now, unfortunately, when you are dead set on pulling out all the stops to abandon a reliable and fairly affordable source of electricity like natural gas before you have something 
uh, can actually reliably replace it at a cost that is anywhere near affordable, then you run into these problems that, that, that we see during some of these cold snaps. And I think the worst place that's affected and is in the crosshairs is probably New England. Um, you know, and that's because all of those states don't like natural gas. And so they block these natural gas pipelines. New Jersey, uh, New York, uh, to some extent, depending on who's in charge there, Pennsylvania. And it's gotten so bad, even though in western Pennsylvania and in Ohio and West Virginia, you have one of the world's most abundant resources of natural gas. New England needs to import natural gas by boat from Russia sometimes because they just don't have the pipeline to bring it, you know, 400 miles from Appalachia because, you know, the people in government won't let the pipelines get built. What, what's the alternative, Mark? What's the alternative there? If we get rid of natural gas, we get rid of the coal plants like John Kerry and the Biden admin wants to do right now. Uh, we're not allowed to do oil in any way. And they want all electric. That's cool. But we have to power the electricity in some way as well. So what's the alternative to keep the power and the lights on in our homes? Yeah, I would say in the short term, there is no alternative. If you want to think slightly longer term, you know, Nuclear got a black eye, probably undeservedly in this country, yeah. in large part because of things that happened in other places. There's also a lot of cost overrun. Uh, you know, you don't want to build a nuclear power plant on the cheap, but, uh, you know, they went over budget and over schedule and made a habit of it, um, you know, in the, in the 70s and 80s. But now you have an entire new generation of what's called advanced reactors that are much smaller that um, are even safer than the very safe um, kind of light water reactor plants that provide the majority of electricity in a place like France. Um, but, you know, permitting restrictions, again, it's a different set of permitting barriers yeah. that um, advanced nuclear reactors are facing, uh, but it's, it's just hard to get a license from the federal government. It's a whole other beast. Them. Yeah, it's a whole other beast. Mark, we're out of time, my friend. I could talk to you about this for hours. I love it. AmericansforProsperity.com is the website. Go and check it out. Mark, happy new year, too, my friend. I appreciate all the great information. Let's do it again real soon. Thanks so much, Andy. Hey, absolutely appreciate it. There it is. Back at it again tomorrow for a Friday. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be your catalyst to change. This is The Voice of Reason. We'll see you on the radio.